0: We have something really, really cool that we are doing today uh, for our service, and just to give you a quick idea of what exactly that looks like, we asked four different people, well, what is it that God has been laying on your heart right now? I asked you guys last week, don't you know, sometimes God speaks to us, right? He speaks different things through different ways. And so what we decided to do was that four different people uh, from our congregation, from our staff, have an eight-minute message to share for you today. We're going to have four eight-minute messages over four completely different things. This is the first time we've done anything like this, but we are so excited. I know each and every one of us right here have all said we just really have felt God just speaking and pouring out things for this, so we're incredibly excited. Y'all be supportive. It's tough to get up here and preach, so, so bring them plenty of support. Uh, we will have an eight-minute timer back there on that screen, and we got exactly eight minutes, and when that eight minutes is up, we're done. Y'all start clapping and, and we'll move on to the next one. <laughs> Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we uh, get ready for, to hear these words today? Lord, we come to you right now. We're so thankful. Um, Lord, we know that this is unique and different, but we fully believe, God, that this was from you. We fully believe that we have eight different wor- or four different words to hear, Lord, today for eight minutes, and you are going to speak to each of us exactly what we need to hear, Lord. We're so excited, and we pray that you would bless each and every one of these that are speaking today. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Our first speaker, would y'all give it up for our new youth pastor,
1: Brian. Man this is crazy. No, no joke, the last time I preached on a the, on the Sunday stage was a tag team preach, and then I never got asked again. So I, I don't know what that means. We're going to find out the second go-around if I don't get asked to preach again. <laughs> and uh, hey, so you can go ahead and start the timer, I guess. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, uh, so hey, I, I want to share a story, kind of where this, this message came about. And so a couple of weeks ago, before um, we moved down here um, to Lufkin, I was headed back i out of town, back to my house in, in White House, and uh, I was driving my Jeep. Anybody on a Jeep Patriot? In, nobody? Exactly. Exactly. They're, I shouldn't be the one now. But uh, I was driving on the road, and I hit this huge pothole. Like, it wasn't even a pothole. It was like a pot crater. And uh, it was massive, and I just slammed down into this thing. And I felt the feeling that no one wants to feel when you hit something with your car really, really hard, and that is like the sound of a flat tire so it was just like, it sounded like a 24 inch subwoofer in the back of my car, just like, ba doom, ba doom, ba doom. And I'm just like, going, like, what is happening? And I get, I get slung into the ditch and like, I finally get back on the road and uh, end up rolling into a fire station. And they were, they were awesome, let me use some of the tools to get the wheel off, get to the tire shop. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm just going to replace the tire. And so, after, after I replaced the tire, I realized that the whole wheel is just bent. It's like Mount Everest, just like at a peak. And, uh, and so I'm cheap, and so I'm like, can y'all fix this and like hammer it to like a circle, like back to a circle or something? And so <laughs> they did it for me, and they're just hammering this thing back. We get the wheel on. I'm like, cool, we're ready to go. And he's like, man, you need to get a new wheel. And I was like, well, why is that? And he's like, because, because if, if you don't, if you don't, it's going to completely throw your whole car out of alignment. And, uh, and I was like, well, I really don't want to pay for a new rim. So can we just kind of like make it through? And he's like, well, you can do that, but it's just going to completely throw your car out of whack. And even, even though it was hammered back, it still wasn't its full shape what it was supposed to be. And, and, and I, think about, I, th- I thought about that, and then I thought about what, what Pastor Josh talked about last week, talking about driving through the fog, and I was thinking about the vehicle, and I was thinking about my dramatic experience with my Jeep Patriot. And then I was, I was thinking about how one little flaw in a wheel can completely throw off the alignment of the entire car. And I was thinking about our own personal life, our spiritual life, how one little small flaw, one little thing that we allow to happen can completely throw us out of alignment with where God has called us to be. And so... I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, check your alignment. Check your alignment. If, if you're watching online, type, check your alignment in the chat. I've always wanted to say that. Like, so check, type it in the chat. Man, I'm, I'm here, God. I'm here now, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So my, um, I got three points. Do you want to take notes? The first is that alignment is meant to be in one constant position. It's meant to be in one constitution to be stuck in that position. I don't mean stuck in the past and stuck in your old ways. I mean stuck in your position facing towards Jesus. And the purpose of a car being aligned and being balanced is to get your car to ride smoothly and most efficiently to get to the destination that you're needing to get to. And we know with us our destination, Sunday school answer, heaven, right? We know that that is eternity. We know that in in, in Colossians chapter three, verses one through four, it says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so Ooh, I got four minutes left. Cool, awesome. So as believers, we we have left the old lifestyle and have chosen to to fix our minds and our hearts, our eyes on things above. And Pastor Josh talked about this last week in Hebrews chapter 12. It says to throw off everything that hinders and run towards Jesus. And our, our lives should be in constant pursuit, a constant chase after God's heart. Our lives should constantly position ourselves to be in alignment with Jesus. You see, when things are not in alignment with him, it's really easy To completely get off course and fight against the terrain of life, the terrain on the road that will eventually and quickly deter us from our journey. And so point number two is when you stay in alignment, when you stay in alignment, it will keep your course. See, the only way for us to get through this life and reach the end goal is that we have to understand that our life with Jesus is not just a one-time circumstance at the altar on a Sunday morning. It is much more than that. It is, it is a lifetime commitment of making altars wherever we are at. And we continue to do that, that we keep ourselves in alignment and we stay our course. I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27 in the message translation, it says this. It says, I don't know about you. Turn your neighbor and say, I don't know about you. I know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. I love this part. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone all about it and missing it out for myself. What does this say? It's saying with that with our life with Jesus, we're not made to make shortcuts. We can't just duct tape the things like some of us love duct tape. We duct tape, that, we duct tape our cars all day long. We can't do that with our, with our life with Jesus. And what we tend to do is we try to like just temporary fix and then Along the way, we see someone else's journey and we see what God is doing in their life and we, we start to look over what they're doing and start to veer into their lane. And what I believe that God's saying to us today is stay in your lane. That God, that isn't, that, that lane is for them. Your lane is, turn to your neighbor and say, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. That your lane that he has for you is so much bigger and better because it's specifically designed for you. And so lastly, whoo, got two minutes. All right, last one is alignment Focuses attention on one direction. Everybody say one direction, not the band. They're horrible, but one direction. I I love it in Matthew chapter chapter seventeen verse eight. It says, "When they looked up, I love this. They saw no one except Jesus." I I see so many times through Scripture where they're going through difficulty, going through difficult difficult time, but then they saw Jesus. And I think about the story of Peter. I think of of, of the the right right when he after he denied Jesus and. He ended up back where he started before he met Jesus. He was fishing, and he was catching nothing. And we see him on the boat. And we see that in in John chapter 21, verse 7, that John says, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. In one moment he saw the Lord. He heard that the Lord was there. And my question to you as I end with this, is are you willing to listen to what the Lord's saying? And are you willing to recognize his voice to be able to look up and jump out and run towards him and swim towards him? Because we see at the end of this, later on down the road, that Jesus reinstates Peter. And some of us have heard the scripture before where he says, Peter, do you love me? He said it three times and reinstates him back into his promise, into his calling that he has for him. Are you willing to look up and keep your attention on Jesus, not just when we feel like it it's really easy to get in these moments and we we feel God's presence it's easy to say yes Lord I'll follow you it's another thing when things get really tough and say Lord I'm still gonna follow you that just because things are bumpy doesn't mean that you're out of alignment that you're in alignment so you can get through the rough seasons and so I can promise you that the more you head towards him the more you will be in alignment on your journey thank you guys
0: What a good word, huh? Well, good morning. You can start the timer. <laughs> so as we were coming up with this idea for eight-minute sermons, and I began to pray and seek God on what it was that he wanted me to preach, the only thing that kept coming to my mind over and over again was that number eight, eight, eight minutes to preach. For a long-winded preacher like myself, that's a challenge, and all the talkers in the room said, <laughs> amen and amen, amen. Eight minutes, eight minutes. It's all that was in my mind as I was praying and I was thinking. So I took it as a sign, and I began to research the number eight biblically. And what I found, I fully believe that God shared with me to share with you today, and I believe there are people who need to hear this. So don't you know that there are certain numbers in the Word of God that hold certain significance, right? So we know the number seven, a lot of us know the number seven as the number of completion, So stay with me here. So so seven represents completion. Seven represents a finished product, something that has ended, something that has finished, and consequently, eight represents a new beginning. Whoo, amen. A new beginning. With seven, it was finished, and with eight, we enter into a resurrection, a regeneration, A New Beginning. That's the title of this eight-minute sermon today, A New Beginning, if you are taking notes. To give you a few examples of the number eight in the Word of God, Jesus rose on the eighth day after he was selected to be sacrificed, and that marked a new beginning for the entire world. Jewish boys were circumcised on their eighth day of being alive, and that marked their beginning into their covenant with God. The New Testament which highlights a new covenant, was written by eight different men. And then finally, the book of Revelation, which talks about the new heavens and the new earth, contains exactly 888 words. That one may be coincidence. (laughs) I'm not fully sure, but ultimately, I believe that God was showing me that for the few minutes I have on this stage today, I need to speak to someone in this room who is in need of a new beginning in your life. I don't know about you, but I have been at many times where I was in desperate need of a fresh start in some area of my life, and God stepped in, and he did it for me. Anybody else? Amen. Two truths on this subject of a new beginning. If you're taking notes in here today, which I encourage you to, I'm going to go a little bit fast for time's sake, so y'all stay with me. Uh, And if you need any notes afterwards, come and ask me, and I'll give them to you. Two truths. Truth number one, a life of fulfillment in Christ will never be found looking to the past. I got to say that one one more time. A life of fulfillment in Jesus Christ will not be found in looking to the past. Philippians 3, verse 13, in the word of God. This is Paul writing here, Philippians 3, 13. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved perfection But I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. The Apostle Paul here is acknowledging, you know what? I have not reached perfection. The King James Version says, I have not apprehended. I have a past. I have failures. I have mistakes. Can anyone relate in this place? Right? I have all that, but I don't stand in that. I don't stay and I don't focus on the past and the failures. I set my sight on one thing, keyword one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Someone write this down, church. Some of us need to step out of our seven and step in to our eight. Some of us need to step out of of the seven of what's finished, of what's ended, what's in the past, and what you can't change, and instead step in to your eight and receive your new beginning that God has for you. Don't you know it's sad that there are so, so many people out there who are so stuck in the past that they have forgotten what it's even like to have hope for the future. Anyone ever been there? so in the past, that you don't even have hope anymore. There are people who have just lost their joy, people who sit around in misery, and they say, oh, but but look at what I've done. Look at how bad I messed up. I was doing so well, And, and look at the progress that I lost. If only, how about that one, if only I hadn't messed up. If only I could go back. If only I had the same opportunities or the same chances. If only I could fix it, then my life would be better. Church, if that is you, I want to tell you that a life of victory cannot be found in looking to your past and your failures. And it's time today to stand up and receive your new beginning. That is what it is time for. I want to ask you to write this down. Again, I know I'm going fast. Tony Robbins said this, it's so good. He said, every moment you live in the past is a moment you waste in the present. Every moment we spend back there in our seven is a moment we waste here in our eight. Leads me to my final point, point number two, truth number two in here today. A new beginning awaits you right now. Whew. Someone say amen to that one too. (laughs) A new beginning awaits you. Keywords right now. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness and his mercies are new every morning. You know, one of the most common things that we're hearing right now is, man, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. (laughs) Anyone heard that one before? 2020, if we can just get through it, if we can make it to 2021, everything will be better. So I don't know about them, but here in the real world, the same problems are going to be around in 2021. (laughs) Y'all was saying the same thing a year ago, 2020 is going to be our year. Well, how did that work out for you? Right? (laughs) Of course, you know, I'm joking, and I'm, I, I love the new year. I think it's great to reset and restart. We even have a series about that coming up. But here's what I am saying. Listen to this. If your hope is found in the changing of a calendar, keep on hoping. Right? If you are waiting for January 1st, 2021 to swoop in and save your life, get ready to be let down because it won't happen. But the word of God tells us that his faithful love never ends. His mercies never cease. His faithfulness is great and his mercies are new in here today. Today, my final encouragement to you, if it is time for you to receive a new beginning in your life, do it right now. Don't wait for 2021. If it is time to step back in alignment with Christ like Brian talked about, do it now. If it is time for that renewal in your mind, in your faith, do it now. If it's time for a resurrection deep down of your hope and your joy, let God do it now. And if your soul is very long overdue for some revival, let God do it in your life right now, right here today. Stop looking to the past, set your sights on the future, set your sights on what's ahead, step out of your seven, and step in to your eight. Thank you very much.
2: Can you up here? Hold that stick. I never thought about having to use, hold a microphone. So I'm gonna have Jordan help me out here. You can put that on later. All right, just hold that stick out real quick. This stick is a representation of um, Christians today. I would say, and um, you can see right here on this end that it used to be connected to the vine. It used to be connected to a tree, but it's no longer connected to the tree. And this is the greatest threat to Christianity in our world today. You can't. This this stick will never produce fruit, but I can take some fake fruit and kind of just just prop that up there like that and make it look like. It is a branch that's connected to the vine, but it's not really a branch connected to the vine. Some of y'all get exactly what I'm talking about. Some of y'all have come to church before and you've seen some sticks that might've looked like branches and they had some, some pretty fruit on it for a second. You thought it was pretty fruit until you tasted some of their fruit and found out that it was just fake fruit. And it repelled you from church and you no longer wanted to go to church again. And you might have stayed away from church for many, many years. And the thing is is that that stick used to be connected to the vine. And that brings me to John 15: 1 and two. You can sit down.. Good job, Gordon says, I am the true grapevine. This is what Jesus has said. I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now, I was raised up, you know, in a really strict church and, uh, you know, hellfire, brimstone, everything that cut off was really, really emphasized to me. The cut off part. But as I really get into knowing the way God loves me, and the way he loves each and every one of us, it makes me dig into the, the other meanings of it. In Greek, the word used for cut off is iro. Now, iro is used all over the Bible. It's used 23 times in John alone. I want to look at a couple of different meanings that it has. It has three different meanings, main meanings. is One is to cut off like, it, like they interpreted it here. But two is also to pick up. And the third meaning is to take upon oneself and carry. Iroh is used in John 5, 8, when Jesus commands the lame man to stand up, Iroh your mat and walk, pick up your mat and walk. It's also used in John eight fifty nine 59, when, Je- when the Pharisees were wanting to stone Jesus, it says, at that point, they Iro stones to throw at him. They picked up stones to throw at him. It's also used in Mark eight thirty four when Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. I row his cross and come follow me. Take it upon himself and bear it. You know, here's the thing. If my daughter uh, one night snuck out, okay, and I didn't know it. And I woke up in the middle of the night like it's very typical of me. And I decided I wanted to go uh, get a bottle of water. And as I got the bottle of water, I decided I wanted to go check on her. And I went to her room and she wasn't there. And I found out that she had snuck out. I could call her up and I could say, I Iro you. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that I cut you off? Does it mean that I'm gonna pick you up? Because if I'm just gonna come pick her up, you know, that's not very harsh at all. Or am I going to take your burden upon myself and help carry you? Actually, God loves us so much, that he's probably going to do all three. He's going to do every one of us. Like with, with, with her, I would cut off her phone. I would ground her. You know, those things I would cut off, absolutely. But I am going to go pick her up. I am going to go pick her up and I am going to try my best to help minister to her, take her burden upon myself and carry her through the rough patch that she's going through because I love her. Back in biblical times, whenever you were growing a grapevine and you had one one limb that would lay low and this limb would get all in the dirt and everything, that limb was never going to produce fruit. That branch would never produce fruit. So the gardener, he would go over and he would pick it up out of, the, out of the mud and he'd wash it off, just like God plucked us out of the miry clay. And he'd wash it off and he'd either do one or two things. He'd either set it up on some rocks so it would have a foundation so that it'd be off the ground so that it could produce fruit. Or he would intertwine that branch with a branch that was stronger than it so that the other branch would help support it, keep it off the ground. Back to John 15, one and two. I'm gonna go to two. It says, he cuts off or picks up every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and prunes the branches of mine that produce fruit so that they will produce more fruit. Is it my job to produce? To prune my, my wife, it's not. It's not my job to prune her. This is what it says in 15.3. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. So if I want to help any, anybody that's in my life in and, and their pruning process, what does it say? It's the message God has given them that, that is going to prune them. So all I got to do is speak the word of truth to them in their life and let God's word do the pruning And in John 15, 4, Remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain remain in me. That branch severed from the vine. Listen, I want y'all to understand something that I had to put on steel-toed boots when God gave me this message because he was stepping all over my feet. (laughs) He was convicting me So much because I, too, am that stick sometimes. I get disconnected. I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not doing the things that God wants me to do, and I have to hit my knees, repent, and get back into communion with God so I can get reconnected to to the vine. So if you're that person, don't be the one that pushes other people away and let God prune you There's things called sucker leaves that that take all the nutrients from the branch so it doesn't produce fruit. We might like those things, but God knows it's taken away from the branch and it's gonna make us not be able to produce fruit. Let him prune you. Thank you.
3: Andrew, I realized when everybody else got up here, they pretty much just said start the clock, but I'm gonna say as long as you wanna wait... Just wait. And Clawson <laughs> hey, family, first of all, I want to say, golly, to have to go behind these guys. Would you give it up for these guys? You guys are awesome, you are definitely anointed, and I thank God that they are in our family, here in the Clawson family, and get to, get to minister to us, amen. I guess you can start the timer if you wanna start the timer, if you don't, do whatever you want. Well, y'all, I'm, I'm gonna be talking to you for just a few minutes about something that has really, really, really been heavy on my heart for about six months, and it's been a hard six months, been a tough six months, and I'm gonna share with you a little bit about why it has. Uh, anyone believe in the gift of prophecy? Prophecy. So what is prophecy? Prophecy is making a prediction of something to come. Like God coming in or someone telling you what is to come in the future. I know that people today really, really are interested in the gift of prophecy. You know why I know? Because psychics and fortune tellers have boo of money that are coming in for people that come in and want them to share with them their future. We are very interested. People would love to know our future. Amen? And so in the Bible you see in the Bible there's so much different prophecy now but God doesn't use psychics and fortune tellers but God uses what we call prophets. And you have in the Bible there's a whole section I think there's 18 books that is the minor prophets and the major prophets and in here he uses these prophets to share things that are to come. God gives us pieces of things that are to come. He does it to get us back on track. He does it to realign us. He does it to encourage us, to give us warnings. There's tons and tons of different reasons why he gives us prophetic words. Well, God gave me a prophetic word a couple of, few months back, uh, six months ago, I think, and uh, I got it from someone that I trust. And first of all, I want to say, there's not a whole lot of people that I trust in this department. But I got this word from someone that I trust. It's a hard word, a heavy word, and it's a word that I'm going to share with you this morning. And uh, because of time's sake, I'm just going to dive right into it. First of all, she said, Pastor, I have a word for you, and I want you to know it's going to be hard on you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay? But it has to happen, because where God wants to take our church, he cannot until this takes place. And I thought, oh, snap, you got my attention. And so this was the word. God is about to begin to expose things in our church that have to be exposed and have to be dealt with If we as a church are going to be able to go to the place that God wants us to go. Somebody said that's heavy. And then she ended it with pastor. I want to encourage you because the reason that he is doing this is because he has great plans for us, but we have to be prepared and we have to be purified and we have to be ready for him to make us the church that he wants us to be. Sounds great. God wants to come in, he wants to clean things up, he wants to do what he wants to do, and then at the end of this thing, it's going to be awesome, he's going to take us to this level, but the thing that, was, that is hard is if we don't expose the thing, what God is saying is I'm going to expose it, and y'all, that's tough, and I know what tons and tons of you are doing right now, because this is what people do, you're like trying to figure out in your mind, well, what in the world has been exposed, what's, what's taking place, what's going on? Listen, this was a word to me, myself. This was a word to our staff. This was a word to our board. And so I took this message. If you, first of all, I want to say, if you are thinking in your head, well, let me try to figure all this stuff out. First of all, you're in the wrong place here. And you're in the wrong place here. Because if you're trying to figure out what's going on with everybody else, then you're not going to get what God wants to do in you today. Because God's not worried about you, worried about everybody else. He's worried about you listening to what he wants to expose in you and in me. And so the very first thing that I did when I received this message, well, f- the very first thing that I did is it, it took me to um, Luke chapter 8 and verse 17. It says, for all that is in secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought into the light. Very first thing that I want to tell you is you need to look inwardly and not outwardly. But the second thing that I want you to understand is this, and this is number one in your notes. What is done in darkness will always be brought into the light. When she gave me that word, I immediately went to this verse, the very first thing that I thought of, and I began to pray this verse over myself. God, you expose anything and everything inside of me, inside of my staff, inside of our board, inside of our church, that needs to be exposed, that needs to be purified so that we can get to the place that you've called us to be. And can I just share with you, as I begin to pray that, it all of a sudden began to happen in me. And y'all, that's tough. When God begins to throw things, when God begins to throw you at your own face. Lord, would you expose all of these things? I'm saying, you know, I'm praying for everybody else. And God begins to share things in my life and begins to tell me, I remember one night hearing the Lord speak to me and say, if you don't deal with your things, then you cannot be the leader of the church that I'm putting there. Oh snap. When God exposes something to me, it's up to me what I'm going to do with that thing. Look inwardly. What, what is done in darkness will always be brought into the light. So, as I begin to pray, He first began to deal with me. And then I saw Him begin to deal. I shared this with our staff and begin to deal with them in their personal lives, things that had to be exposed in them. In our board, y'all, it has, the, the last six months has been nuts in our board, the things that God exposed. And I'm not saying he exposed all these different sins and all these different things, although some of it was. I'm saying that in in me it was. He exposed these things because he wants to clean up your pastor. He wants to clean up our staff. He wants to clean up our board. He wants to clean up our church if our church is gonna be the church that he's called us to be. And the only way that he can do that is if we will acknowledge our junk and if we won't acknowledge our junk, what I believe his word is to us is that he's gonna do it. Y'all, that's tough stuff. God has exposed some crazy stuff. He exposed a Jezebel spirit that had been attached to our leadership. He cleaned up things in our internship, in our board, in our staff. God has even exposed dangerous people that were coming to our church. It was crazy. Dangerous people for our kids that had been started coming to our church. He exposed those things to us, brought it out into the light, out into the open. And I believe he did that for two reasons. Number one, because I believe just like I want to protect our babies, he wants to protect our babies. But secondly, because he knows if that junk stays there, it cannot be the church that I've called it to be. And again, I'm asking you to look inwardly, not outwardly. The second, number two, is this. The point of exposure is to lead to restoration. God's desire is restoration. The purpose of exposing is restoration. Galatians chapter six and verse one says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live, live by the spirit should restore that person gently. Somebody say Amen. Listen, so God's exposing things in us, not because he wants to embarrass us and not because he wants everyone to know our dirty laundry. He's exposing things inside of us because he loves us so much that he doesn't want that junk to stay there. He wants us to be purified and restored to him so that we can be the people that he's called us to be. And we can't do it if we're holding on to junk. My heart has been so heavy watching what God has been doing. And my word for you today, I believe that the Holy Spirit this morning is beginning to expose things in our lives as we're listening to this, that we need to bring out into the light. And he's saying, if you don't get them out, repent and confess and be restored, then I will bring them into the light. Would you stand with me this morning? As we're standing, I would like to ask our worship team to step out and come join me up here, begin to play some background music. Altar team, would you guys step out and come to the front? Just to do a recap on everyone's message really quickly. First of all, I think that there's probably people in this room that one of these, maybe all four of them hit you, but one of these messages the Lord was speaking to you on something that you need to do. Maybe somebody's here, In Brian's message on alignment, maybe you've been going through a bumpy, bumpy time, and the reasoning that you're going through that bumpy time is not because you got a flat tire, it's because you're out of alignment. And what God's saying to you is, if you will get back in alignment with me, then we'll get it through that time, and you'll get back in the place that you need to be. Somebody in here, I believe, and this is so cool, I believe somebody in here needs to step out of your seven and into your eight. And God's saying, you've been thinking, I'm just waiting for 2020, waiting for 2020, waiting for 2021, not 2020. And this morning, God is saying, stop waiting for 2021 and step out and do it today. Move Move out of your seven into your eight this morning, today, right now. Some of you, maybe you've been connected to the vine, but you've become that branch that is leaning down into the mud. And you're not going to be able to bear fruit unless you grab a hold of a different branch and you get pulled up or you get put on the foundation that you need to be put on in order for fruit to be able to come in your life. And I believe that for some of you, as I begin to speak about God exposing things, and I, even though it's such a hard word, I believe that this is not just a message for me and our staff and our board. I believe that that is a message for everyone in this room and it is a message for everyone that calls this place home, that is in our family, that if we have things, I'm gonna call it willful sin. If we have willful sin in our life that needs to go, today is the day that God is saying, I'm giving you a chance to confess and repent restore. But it's up to you. Every head bowed and every head closed. As they begin to sing this song if you're here and any of those messages hit you and you would like prayer or if you're here and you just want to come up to the front and worship the Lord as we sing this new song, the blessing, fantastic song. Or if you're here and you want to come find a place to worship Him and love on Him by yourself would you step out right now as they begin to sing this song would you step out right now, of follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Step out right now and come get what God has for you to get this morning. Don't wait. Step out of your seven and into your eight right now.